On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, Beaumont's Sean Adamanchuk takes us through the physical and mental road to recovery from Tommy John surgery. Welcome to episode 112 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. August 1st, 2019 will be a date forever etched, not only on the mind of Sean Adamanchuk, but also through the scars on his arm. That's the date the Beaumont native went under the knife to undergo Tommy John surgery. The last year has been a challenging one for the six foot four right-hander who took to Instagram to document his journey for not only himself, but also for those having to go through the same recovery. You can check that out with the handle at Sean STJ Rehab. Sean is spelled with an A-U-N, by the way. We caught up with the Dogs Academy grad about that, as well as his move to Georgia Gwinnett College, where he'll be reunited with former Dogs coach Alan Cox. Sean, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Tommy John surgery and go right to the very beginning. Tell us that moment when you realized that something didn't quite feel right. Okay. Um, my story is a little more unique than others, I'd say. Um I was actually doing a remote training program that I had um, gone through with driveline and I was actually on vacation and uh, getting my work in in the morning. Um, some of my friends from my first uh, junior college had come driven a little ways to play catch with me and I had gone through my, my uh, weighted ball program and my long toss and my arm felt great. I had never had elbow issues my whole life. Um, no pain up to date and i was doing uh run and gun throws with underweight baseballs and on my very i think last or second last throw of the day um i felt a pop i heard the pop um the infamous pop that everyone hears or you talk about when you're talking about a ucl tearing and uh i just kind of felt like that was nothing i had never ever felt before so I knew something was off and I just kind of turned to my my friend and I was like I honestly think I just tore my UCL and they're kind of like joking it off like haha yeah I bet and uh and I was like no like it seems kind of surreal but yeah I really I really think I did and uh kind of went into panic mode didn't really know what to do um 12 hours away from home we were uh me and my girlfriend were going uh, to the coast out west and uh we had just stopped in vancouver for her birthday and and this just happens to happen that morning and it was just a crazy crazy event that happened and i really didn't know what to do so uh called my dad kind of he kind of settled me down a bit we went to see uh, a physiotherapist um and just get kind of an opinion on what to do and he, he did some tests on my arm, some strength tests, and, and told me, like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that it is torn. I don't know how bad. I suggest you get an MRI. Um, we had our campsites and stuff set up already. So the next day we, we uh, went to Victoria, um, went to see a doctor there. They got me a note to get an MRI. Uh, two days later, we went to Nanaimo, and that's where I called because I knew we'd be going there. Um, 
I actually got my MRI in the back of a semi-trailer. Sounds kind of funny, <laughs> but that's it was just a, a private clinic they had there that was just the setup and got my MRI done there. Um, the doctor that was on site was nice enough to come do the write-up and, and look over my MRI um, that day. So 45 minutes after my MRI, I had the write-up and we found out that uh, it was it was pretty much a complete tear. So I knew I was going to have to get surgery and we pretty much expedited the process from there. And I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't... It wasn't even two days after we got back from vacation that I had a surgery date and stuff. So it all happened pretty fast. Was that a bit of a relief in a sense because you knew so fast rather than having to dwell or maybe even going and and trying to throw again and then realizing that, yeah, things have really gone south quickly? Yeah, for sure. Um, The fact that it had torn, I kind of knew right away just from the pop. It was such an abnormal feeling like i've never thrown like felt anything like that while throwing so i knew something was up and finding out it was torn i mean the physiotherapist that i went to see pretty much told me he said hey i'm not allowed to to really tell you like it is for sure torn but he can he could tell by the strength test we did that it was it was torn so i had a i had a feeling it was so it was good to i mean I had to pretty quickly get over the fact that, hey, you're not going to get to throw this here and you do have to get surgery. So it was nice to be able to get over that. And then at least after getting over that, we had a pretty quick process of, of figuring out what I needed to do. So it was good that that went quick in a sense. Yeah. How hard was it to kind of wrap your head around exactly how this all played out because as you mentioned it's not like it was a ton of wear and tear it's not like it was a one-off situation you had to kind of grapple with how this all played out and and go forward from there yeah that was one of the things that really troubled me was I didn't know what I had done wrong and I had a lot of people cautioning me to do this weighted ball program and I really there was Driveline is a great program and I have nothing against them still, even though some people might say the program I was on is the reason for me tearing my UCL. I have nothing against that program and I would still um, advocate it for people who want to gain velocity. It got me to where I needed to be to be successful. I think training away, doing the remote training, you have to really be careful because I got really excited about my quick velocity jump and was was just throwing the crap out of the ball every time I could because that was what was working for me. You have to throw hard to throw hard. And that's what I had learned going up to that because my velocity had been pretty inconsistent before going to driveline. That's, that's the reason I went there. We just couldn't afford to have me um, stay there all summer. It just didn't work out. So I went and did the 10 day assessment in Kent in Washington. And then I was just doing it remotely, but the remote programming, um, you're on your own. You you have like you have the ability to talk to your trainer over the phone and he can respond from anywhere from 15 minutes to 24 hours after you need to talk to him. So it's not as one on one, whereas in person is. And I think that's really what you need to do if you're going to do a driveline program, because I just think I might have been focusing too much on throwing the crap out of the ball and kind of left my elbow exposed. You got to really, really be careful about mechanics. Um, some people tell me that for some people, it's just bound to happen one day. And I don't really dwell on it too much. I did. 
I did like back then, right when it had happened, I, I just wanted to know, to know what the heck I did. But now that I've, I've been through the whole recovery process, um, and I'm back to throwing at a pretty decent intensity, you can't really think about it too much. You just have to focus on when you do come back, make sure you do have the proper mechanics that are going to keep you healthy. I was going to ask about that recovery process. What was it like from minute one to now in terms of coming back and, and being able to you know deal with not just the, the physical side of it, but also, as I've talked to a few different people about it, is uh, there's a mental component to it as well when you're trying to recover from the surgery. For sure. The mental side is the biggest hump um, to get over, in my opinion. Physically, um, my whole... I had a great team behind me helping me come back from things um, with the Acumen Clinic um, in Edmonton. My surgeon, uh, Dr. Jason Smith, did a great job on my surgery. He's the surgeon for the Toronto Blue Jays, so I was confident in him. Um, after the surgery, he had told me it was a little longer than usual because I had one of the worst um, blowouts he's seen. So I kind of knew going into this that I was going to have to take things a little slower. So usually you start throwing at about four months and I didn't even think about picking up a baseball until six months post-op. A lot of the early stuff is just range of motion. That's honestly the most annoying thing to get back to. And, but once you have it back, it's not too bad. You get back into lifting slowly and, and throwing in that, but uh, the throwing part, the throwing program coming back is not the tougher part. It's the mental side. So I'm at, what what am I at? 13, 14, like 15 months post-op now. And uh, usually that's that's about the back end of coming back for the typical Tommy John surgery. And it's because um, I probably have babied it a little bit too much, just a little bit of PTSD of, of that feeling in my elbow and scared to do it again because I know how tough of a situation it is to come back from. Um, I'm grateful enough to have... Um, one of my pitching coaches here who just got out of the minor leagues with the angels, he, uh, he went through the surgery a few years ago and he told me the mental side is the toughest to get through. He said, it's been long enough. You're healed. You need to realize that you had a good support team, a good surgeon. You are healed. You can throw the ball. You just really got to get over it and you're going to be sore, but it's almost better to be sore now. So that comes springtime when I really need to throw the crap out of the ball, I'll be okay. And that has helped me. I've progressed 13, 10, 13 miles an hour since I showed up to campus here, just in the time I've been here until now. Just getting over that mental hump is definitely the, the hardest part. But once you can figure that out, it's, uh, it's, it becomes a lot easier for sure. You mentioned that pitching coach. Anybody else that you leaned on or talked to over the course of the last few months to kind of bounce ideas off of or simply just to vent over some of the, the frustrations that come along the, the ride and the recovery? Uh, yeah, I know quite a few people um, just in my group, my, uh, my groupings of friends that I've met through different baseball teams and programs and uh, that have got Tommy John surgery before, so... Uh, I'll ask a question here and there just based off of like, hey, did you ever feel this during your throwing program? But I didn't have a whole lot of setbacks, so I never really asked many questions. I really trusted um, my trainer, uh, Leanne Gullett from Acumen Clinic, really helped me through this. And she was really good at uh, at just kind of letting me know like, hey, what you're feeling is okay. 
this and that, everything I asked, she she had an answer for and was was really good with helping me come back on the strength side for sure. So most of my questions um, throwing wise, I would ask a former teammate or a friend who I knew had the surgery and had been through it before. But uh, anything strength wise or like, hey, it feels like this. Is that OK? I would ask Leanne and she would always give me an answer um, that would help me. One of the things that I noticed as well was you started up an Instagram account, kind of giving people an inside scoop as to some of your uh, trials and tribulations throughout. What led to that and what did it mean to you to be able to uh, maybe have a different kind of way to show the world what exactly is going on in your day to day? Yeah, so uh, I'd say a week or two after surgery, I decided I wanted to keep um, a video log of the way that my recovery was going so that I could always look back for reference or just, just cause I think it would be cool. And then, um, I kind of had the idea, why don't I make an Instagram out of it so that I can show other people that might be going through this, what it's like and what to expect that way. If they don't have anyone that they can ask questions to, they can, come look at my page and say, Hey, it's normal to not be able to squeeze the toothpaste out of your, um, your toothpaste tube for two weeks after surgery. That's okay. Because that's something I struggled with personally. You just don't have a lot of strength in your hand after surgery. It's weird. And if you don't know anyone that has the answers for you, I, I just thought it's a video log for me, but anyone who I could help, even if I touch two or three other people who are going through this surgery. Awesome just give them some information on on the ins and outs of how this recovery works and mentally physically however they want to they want to take bits and pieces from my process then great did you learn anything about yourself through this process uh for sure i learned that i can do a lot more without a throwing partner or something like that you can do a lot of this on your own if you really care about it i did a lot of throwing into a fence and a lot of throwing into a net and a lot of weightlifting by myself because all my buddies that played high level baseball from where i'm you know around the alberta area they were all at school and i wasn't because i was taking my gap year to recover from surgery and i i had a lot of time to spend alone and i just realized that you don't always need someone to be there pushing you if you want it as bad as bad as you you want it obviously so and i really i really want this baseball is my dream so i did everything i could to make sure i could come back as strong as i can and i'm still in that process but i know i'm going to get there because of how bad i want it what's the one piece of advice you would give for those who hear that pop or are told they're going to need that surgery or are going through that surgery right now um one piece of advice would be stay calm um, in a sense, it's good to know exactly what you need. I've had shoulder issues in the past where there's no cut and clear decision on what is wrong with you. When you need Tommy John, you need Tommy John. And it's a pretty successful surgery. If you have a, a good surgeon, do your surgery, you're going to heal and your ligament should be should pretty much be okay it's the mental thing towards the end that you really need to focus on and it's good to have a good support group because you need you will probably need help getting over the hump of 
okay, you can really throw it again. Don't be, don't be scared of the fact that it's torn. You just kind of have to accept it right when it happens. As soon as you find out, you can't be negative about it. You just have to realize this is what you need and you're going to have to go through it. And you just mentally, you need to prepare yourself for a year of hard work because that the surgery is not the hard part. Like my surgeon said, the next year of your life is the hardest part because you, you have to really put in a lot of work day in and day out when it comes from range of motion at the start to getting back into weightlifting, to getting, you know, the big one, getting back into throwing and then progressing off a mound, whether you're a, pitcher position player it differs but the mental side um, is definitely the biggest hurdle it has been for me and I've heard a lot of people say that it is as well for them so um, don't be scared and and just make sure that you are prepared to work your your butt off for for the next year of your life what was it like from your perspective to actually be able to pick up a baseball again and and step onto a mound and be able to toss, even though you might not be going at 100%, but at the very least be able to to do that once again? It was uh, it was pretty awesome. The, day, the first day I got to throw, there was still snow on the ground, but it wasn't too cold outside. I didn't I didn't have a place to throw indoors at the time, but uh, I just went and threw outside because it, it was light. It didn't really matter if my arm was too warm or anything. It was just to get the feel back. And it had been a long time since I had thrown a baseball. I missed throwing a baseball. You don't really realize when you throw one every day for however many years I've been playing baseball, like that is the longest break I've ever taken from throwing a baseball. You kind of take it for granted and you, you don't realize how much you miss the game and it was a. Uh, it was pretty surreal to throw a ball again. So you find yourself at Georgia Gwinnett through Colby and Indian Hills. It's been a journey through college as well. What attracted you to Georgia Gwinnett to keep things rolling? So, one of the things I was thinking about coming back from my gap year, going back to my junior college at Colby. I love it there. I was excited to go back. The coaching staff is awesome. Um. I was really excited to get back to where I was because I was confident I'd be back to where I needed to be arm health wise and, and off the mound. And I was excited to produce for my Juco. Um, but thinking about it, you know, thinking ahead, you always have to think ahead. I would have been due to the NCAA five-year clock that starts when you step on a campus, I would have been ineligible to play division one baseball. If I went back to my Juco and then tried to transfer out, I would have had to go to a D one, which I had to be honest with myself with my track record and uh, some of my injuries and my stats aren't, aren't impeccable yet. Um, I know I could get there, but it just wasn't an option this fall. So if I'm looking at NAI schools or division two schools, anyways, um, Georgia Gwinnett is the top, the top of the top. It's where you want to be if you're playing NAI baseball. And um, I was fortunate enough to have played under Alan Cox with the Okotoks Dogs, and he um, he moved down here recently, and, and he's a hitting coach here. And uh, I got I got pretty close with him in high school, and um, I think he liked me as a player um, as much as I liked him as a coach. And he gave me a call, kind of just saying, "Hey, um, we're thinking about having you down here." And I was I was honestly kind of blown away just by that that high level of a program contacting me after I mean just being honest with myself I don't have an amazing track record in college yet I haven't been able to prove myself yet but he when he talked to me he said he knows that and the coaches here will understand that 
they believe him and he believes in me. They just thought I just needed a, a good culture to play in, a family-like culture, somebody to believe in me, and uh, and I'd be able to run with it. So I had a talk with my with my coach at Colby, and Coach Rock said I'd be silly not to take that that opportunity. So that's how it became, and here I am, and I'm the happiest I've ever been with a school for sure. This place is amazing. That is fantastic to hear. What does it mean to you to be able to have that as a bit of a motivating factor, to be able to have someone in your corner, but also somebody that can that can push you that you have a bit of a history with as well? Uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, Alan is a great guy and a great coach, and he's got a lot of things ahead of him as well. I'm very thankful that he got me here because um, he doesn't do, obviously, the pitching side. He's a hitting coach, but he was my gateway to this place, and this is the best uh, pitching staff I've ever worked with before. Like I said, having a one of the pitching coaches gone through the same surgery as me is huge. And then the way Steve Less runs this this program is is second to none. Like um, our coaches just went uh, to University of Georgia, which is an SEC school, for their practice the other day, and we're talking about the stuff that we do every day, and it it doesn't differ from them much. Um, our coach likes to say that uh, we're a Division One program that plays NAIA baseball, and that's that's honestly the truth to to this whole thing. This place is is top of the line. Um, a lot of people like to look at NAIA baseball as not as good, but when you're talking about these top ten programs and you get up to to Gwinnett, I'm very confident we're going to be number one this year. That's it's like no, it's like nothing I've ever been a part of before. It's amazing. I love it here. Very cool to hear. Let's talk a little bit about your your childhood a bit and, and going through the high school ranks at Dogs Academy. I mean, you're you're from Beaumont, which is west, uh, south of Edmonton. Talk a bit about the baseball scene there growing up and how you were able to make it all happen uh, with all the traveling that you probably had to do to Sherwood Park and some of the other communities in that capital region. Um, yeah, so I grew up playing in Beaumont. Uh, we never had... Um, super competitive baseball. I think the highest I ever played out of Beaumont was single A. But uh, we were always good where we played at. We'd get some out-of-town kids that lived in, uh, you know, areas just outside. And we had a pretty good community of baseball players. And we kind of split up as we got older. Some went to Spruce Grove and and Seba in Edmonton. And Sherwood Park was the closest for me. And my parents obviously having to be my, my rides to baseball every day. We kind of picked uh, Sherwood Park as my place. They had a good track record of baseball, and they were the closest to us. So that's kind of what got me there. They had good coaching staff, um, a lot of great players I played with. I had a lot of fun playing for Sherwood Park. And then uh, when Academy Baseball kind of became a, an option for me, um, I actually went to Badlands Baseball Academy first when I was in grade 10 in Oyen. And it was a bit of a culture shock, a really small town, town of about 900 people. The school was way smaller. Um, it was a it was a great starter program for me, for sure. But when uh, when that season was over and I got the call from Luke Pote, who had helped out with Shore Park coaching in the past, he called me and told me he was at Okotoks and asked if if I was interested in going down there. So when uh, when we went down to play them, I kind of did a little visit around and and talks with Tyler Hollick there. I kind of fell in love with the place immediately and, and felt like this was this was the best place I could be to become who I needed to be in baseball. If you're playing baseball in Alberta, 
Okotoks is definitely the place you want to be. Obviously, they they play in the best tournaments and they win those tournaments. They're the best. They're they've been the best for a long time. I think they have great coaching staff and they get great players and they they really create a a big league culture within like the high school age level and even younger. It's it's pretty sweet what they do there, especially the facilities you get to play at. I know I definitely can't take those for granted after you go to a junior college after playing on a, a field like that, which is pretty much minor league level in Canada. It's pretty awesome what they have there. What was it about the game of baseball that attracted you to it? Because as I've said on, to a number of other players, is it, base, baseball is kind of third string compared to hockey and football. So here you are trying to chase that dream. What was it about the sport that really drove you to it? For sure. Um, yeah, baseball in in Alberta, at least, was never as big as hockey. I always played hockey, and I think when I was younger, I did like hockey more. But I, I kind of excelled in baseball as I grew up. And one of the main things, honestly, that um, attracted me to it was just the fact that I was better at baseball than I was at hockey. So when I made the switch to, to just focus on baseball and I stopped playing hockey, um, I kind of realized, well, this is this is the sport I've picked, so I might as well put my all into it. And it's a game where um, really the, you you get out what you put in, and I've, I've put my all into it, and I've got a lot of amazing experiences from it. And uh, another thing that intrigues me about baseball – especially from the start, is that you always have to give the other guy a chance. You always have to beat him. There's no running out the clock. There's no there's no specific things like that. You have to throw this pitch, and you have to throw it by him to beat the guy, and you have to give them every chance that you've gotten, and you still have to beat them to win the game. And that's just something I like. I've always been really competitive, and um, that's definitely something I've loved about the game. And you've obviously been able to capitalize on the travel aspect as well, not just within Alberta. I mean, you talk about the the travels there, but through college as well. I mean, it's it's provided you with some some pretty cool opportunities to see different parts of this uh, continent. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually one of my favorite trips was with the dogs in grade eleven. We came down not just forty five minutes away from where I'm at now at uh, Lake Point. And uh, that was the first time I ever played baseball in Georgia, and I loved it here. I always said I, I would like to play baseball here one day, and here I am. So it's it's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, doing all the traveling I did, especially in high school, playing for the dogs, um, obviously excelled that. You get to do a lot more when you play for a program like that, for sure. But uh, I've I've gotten a lot of amazing travel experiences from baseball. Um, going down to Jupiter to play in the WWBA 18U Worlds, World Series is pretty awesome. Um, that was another opportunity brought to me by Alan Cox, who, who kind of put me out there as a pitcher to some American teams. And I got to travel there with uh, Tri-State Arsenal, which is um, the team Mike Trout played for in high school. It's pretty cool. So there's been a lot of cool opportunities uh, brought into me by baseball, and I'm forever thankful for that, for sure. So now you look forward. What does next year look like for Sean Adamanchuk? Um, so with, with COVID-19 and the, the quarantine effect, having to come back into the country and quarantine for two weeks and quarantine for two weeks when I come back after Christmas break, um, that's actually not going to happen anymore just because that's a, that ends up being a whole month where I can't really do much. And I'm still on 
on the mend coming back um, to where I need to be. So I'm going to be staying down here, uh, working my butt off every day during break so that come springtime, um, I can leave it out on the field for my team and, uh, and play some baseball. It's been a long time. I can't wait to pitch again. I bet. Final question for you here, Sean. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Everything. Game of baseball is my life, and uh, I hope it is for for a long, long, long time. I really love this game, and I hope I can make a career out of it because it's been uh, it's been number one on the list of important things in my life for a long time now, and I hope it stays that way for sure. We do too as well, Sean. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much for sharing your story, your journey, and all the best as you continue along this path. Thank you very much. You too. Thanks again to Sean Adamanchuk for joining us. Thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. And thanks to all of our sponsors for their continued support. A tip of the cap to the Okotoks Dogs, Dogs Academy, Western Canadian Baseball League, and Vauxhall Academy of Baseball for all they do. Until next time, we appreciate all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.